1: Does this sound familiar? Hasty loans without verification of incomes or job histories? Defaults rising on loans that buyers just can't repay? Outright fraud by salespeople? No, it's not the U.S. housing market 10 years ago. It's the auto industry today, where many car dealers are gaming the loan application process so low-income borrowers can drive off in new cars they can't afford, and those auto loans are bundled into securities for investors. It's classic subprime less than a decade after the mortgage crisis caused the Great Recession, as explained in movies like The Big Short.
2: So the banks started filling these bonds with riskier and riskier mortgages. Thank you, Banjo. That way, they can keep that profit machine churning, right? By the way, these risky mortgages are called subprime.
1: Our guests are Patricia McCoy, professor at Boston College Law School and author of The Subprime Virus, and Gary Peoples, professor at Syracuse University College of Law. Patricia, subprime car loans have been around for a long time Explain what's been happening in the last eight years or so well they certainly have been around and in the last last eight years uh,
3: auto lending um, became the new growth area for subprime loans uh, uh, mortgage lenders are basically not willing to make subprime loans anymore but um, Car dealers were very eager to expand their markets by selling cars to weaker and weaker borrowers, and lenders stepped in willing to make loans to people who might have difficulty paying back uh, the purchase price of the car.
0: Gary, are there any legal restrictions here in terms of how, who can get lo- these kinds of loans when they buy a car, or is it kind of a free-for-all?
2: It's, it's pretty much a free-for-all. One of the interesting things about Dodd-Frank is the one area that was left out of regulation were auto dealers. And auto dealers finance the vast majority of auto loans and then, of course, sell them uh, uh, to, to finance companies. And they are specifically excluded from regulation under Dodd-Frank. So uh, your regulation you would be looking at would then be up to the state. And, I, you know, I practice in New York, and uh, the, even the, the, the general New York usury statute doesn't apply uh, to most auto loans.
1: Patricia, the name of your book is The Subprime Virus. So with the auto loans, where do we see the virus or, or the cracks in the system?
3: What's really interesting is we're seeing a replay of the mortgage crisis in terms of the uh The dealers don't check whether the borrowers can uh, have the ability to repay. The lender makes the loan without checking it in most cases. here Santander. And then the lender sells on the loans, packages them for sale to Wall Street. Investors are not checking uh, uh, and are buying this stuff regardless of the elevated default risk. Um, It's really back uh, back to the future
0: well so gary so what so let's let's talk about the people taking out the loans what happens to them as you know they they're they're getting loans that they can't afford to pay and it's they're getting those loans are getting bundled but what's happening to the actual car purchasers here
2: well uh, depending on how life circumstances go eventually Something happens, and uh, they can't make the payment. That's sometimes a couple of months in, and that maybe that's a year in. You know, something happens with the car, something else happens in their life, and they, they miss a payment. And, or they realize how bad off they are and then actively choose no longer to keep paying. Um, but, yeah, the people lose the car and then often get sued. Um, for the deficiency that's owed after the car is repons- repossessed because often these cars are sold at, at huge markups with a bunch of garbage fees and, and other things in it, like extended warranties and, and other things that drive up the price even above what the car was even remotely worth. So if these folks are well underwater, they end up losing the car and then getting sued and you know either filing bankruptcy or having their wages garnished. But it's bad news for these folks.
1: Patricia, Explain the allure of the subprime auto bonds for investors and whether they're protected um, from large losses. So the the
3: top allure is that the interest rate on these bonds is higher than the interest rate on, on um, blue chip bonds and government bonds. Uh, uh, you know, running around 5%. Um, and so they're chasing yield. Uh, the reason I think that investors are not doing adequate due diligence is is twofold. Um, they think that the higher interest rate will compensate them for the higher risk. And at the end of the day, even if the default rate is high, they'll get a high enough rate of return uh, to... To uh, make money. Uh, The other thing is they're they're uh, betting on the fact that the securitization has been designed with a big safety cushion to absorb losses and to protect them from losses. Uh, Last time in two thousand eight, it didn't quite turn out that way. (laughs)
1: Well just quickly in about 30 seconds Gary w- it, will it be different with the auto loans than it was with the with the mortgages as far as protection for the investors
2: I think well you know I think people are going to lose money eventually like they did in, in the housing market you can't you can't loan people money that you know they can't pay back uh, on an asset that's a depreciating value and make money uh, even when you're selling people cars at 25% interest I uh, you know, they they said this ten years ago in housing. Oh well, we're protected. Well, of course they weren't.
1: We've been discussing how less than a decade after the Great Depression, the financial industry has embraced another type of subprime debt: auto loans. Our guests are Patricia McCoy, professor at Boston College Law School and author of the Subprime Virus, and Gary Peoples, professor at Syracuse University College of Law. Gary let's talk about the U.S. auto loan sector. It's small compared to the $8.4 trillion mortgage market. It's about $1.1 trillion in loans compared to the mortgage market. So no one is suggesting that this will cause the next crisis, but is there a trickle-down effect or any lasting consequences for the industry?
2: Well, it's hard to know for sure, but obviously if you have Potentially thousands of, of individuals who are losing their ability uh, to get themselves around to work and otherwise. That's going to have effects, and then I think you're going to have ripples from uh, the number of defaults. I mean, the the number of defaults are uh, you know significant, and and I think that will uh, will have some
0: effects. Patricia, when when we talk when we talk about the way that or we think about the way that the uh, dealers have dealt with this, I. How exactly are they encouraging this sort of these sort of loans, and how is it that the dealers are, you know, what are they doing to be complicit in how these uh, loans happen? Well, the,
3: the dealers, in many cases, are actually the ones who are having the borrowers complete the loan application, and the dealers don't make money unless they sell a car. And with these borrowers, they're not going to sell the car unless the borrower can get financing. That creates a really bad incentive for some, unfortunately, dishonest dealers to help the borrower fill out the loan application by inflating their income or saying that they work in a fancier job than they do. Um, And so uh, we call these liar's loans. And, And unfortunately, with Santander, a lot of loans turned out to be liar's loans.
1: And Gary, let's talk about Santander, which has agreed to pay $26 million to settle an investigation into predatory subprime auto loans by Massachusetts and Delaware. Talk about the partnership between Fiat Chrysler and Banco Santander.
2: Well, it's probably a little outside of my area of expertise. Um, I'm mostly on the, uh, the consumer end, and, and what I see is that you know, these dealers um, are kind of in cahoots with, uh, with the finance companies. They know that the, 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 I think these finance companies know what these dealers are doing, pushing these loans that, nobody, that people can't afford. Um, and you know, they, these lies are being told by the dealership, um, and the, the, the finance companies are, are complicit in that. They know what's happening. They're not bothering to, to, to check, uh, to make sure the dealership um, is doing what, uh, well, that, you know, confirming that these incomes are even remotely close to what they're... Uh, I mean, this is happening on a regular basis where these, you know, folks are being steered into loans, where the, the documentation is clearly a complete fabrication.
1: Patricia, can you talk a little bit about uh, Santander and, and Chrysler?
3: Well, Chrysler is, uh, of the big three U.S. auto dealers, the smallest one, and, uh, and the weakest in terms of the demand for its cars. And so it was quite eager to extend its, uh, customer base down the credit spectrum to weaker, um, consumers. But to do that, it needed a financing arm. And Santander, Uh, was conveniently very eager itself to expand into auto financing and particularly subprime. Uh, One of the reasons that Santander was attractive was that it had a computerized algorithm for analyzing the creditworthiness of subprime borrowers. And supposedly it was foolproof. Well, uh, it didn't turn out that way.
0: Well, Gary, so what? What you had these legal actions taken against Santander? What? What did uh, the attorneys general find here?
1: Gary, we have about
2: well, thirty seconds. I'm probably not the one, the best prepared to answer that question. I uh, it is it, 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 it's not a, an entity that I've been. Uh, involved with, so I, I don't know the answer to that one. I'm All sorry. right,
1: um, we do know that uh, Santander agreed to pay twenty-six million dollars to settle an investigation by Massachusetts and Delaware, and it's been subpoenaed or questioned by a group of about thirty states regarding its auto loan underwriting and securitization activities. Thank you both for being on Bloomberg Law. It's been a very interesting. Patricia McCoy, professor at Boston College Law School and author of the Subprime Virus, and Gary Harry Peoples, professor at Syracuse University College of Law. Thank you both.